Welcome to Law Technology Now with host Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of ALM's award-winning magazine, Law Technology News. Hear the latest about technology for the legal community. If it's tech, it's a topic right here. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Carbonite Pro, online backup for your law office. Carbonite Pro backs up your files automatically and continuously, so you're always protected. Learn more and try it free at CarbonitePro.com. And Firm Manager, an entirely web-based secure practice management application from LexisNexis that lets you take your office with you wherever you go. Check it out at MyFirmManager.com slash LTN. Hi, I'm Monica Bay, Editor-in-Chief of Law Technology News, and welcome to our April edition of Law Technology Now. As always, I enjoy letting you know that you can find us in three different places. On ALM's site, which is lawtechnologynow.com, from our partners, the Legal Talk Network on, surprise, surprise, legaltalknetwork.com, and as I always say, because we are so cool, you can get us in the iTunes podcast library. Uh, It's my great pleasure today to introduce a frequent guest on this program, uh, Austin's Craig Ball, who, among many Many other things is gracious enough to write uh, LTN's uh, ball in your court column about e-discovery. Craig, welcome back. Hi, Mon. And why don't you tell um, maybe the one person in our audience who doesn't recognize your name a little bit about what you do in Austin and across the world. Well, thanks, Mon. My, I limit my practice principally to work as a special master in electronically stored information, assisting courts and counsel across the nation with uh, problems in forensics and e-discovery, and I do some consulting on the side. Well, I know everyone really appreciates your column, and it's a pleasure to have you again, Craig. Um, We're going to dance around a lot of topics today. Um, First and foremost, uh, uh, there's been, it's been such an exciting period for Facebook over the last six months, um, uh, particularly overseas in the uh, uh, political activities in the Mideast. And in our new April issue of Law Technology News, we have two articles dealing with Facebook. One I'm very happy to share is that J. Michael Lacey, who is the managing partner uh, of DNR Denton's Egypt office in Cairo, and his um, IT uh, manager Sammy El, I'm probably going to butcher this. El Gaharbaway wrote a wonderful piece for us on their firsthand experiences in Cairo during the revolution, and particularly how how they experienced the use of Facebook. And Craig, you have a terrific article in as well, which some of our readers may have already had the pleasure of reading on our website, www.lawtechnologynews.com on how Facebook has uh, sort of quietly come up with a really terrific e-discovery tool. Can you uh, bring our listeners up to speed on what they're up to? Uh, sure, Monica. You know, with, with half a billion users worldwide, Facebook is uh, larger than most countries. And so its influence in terms of cloud resources is inestimable. What I thought was interesting is that late last year, with little fanfare, Facebook added something to its environment that I think has the potential to set the pace for most of the cloud-based information providers in terms of preservation and e-discovery. And that is Facebook allows users now 
to download their Facebook information, to essentially capture their Facebook wall and messaging, their Facebook environment, and bring it home in the form of a functional collection of information that's hyperlinked. I mean, it, it works when you open it up from the zip file in which you deliver it. So the neat thing about this is when you go to Facebook and you go to your user settings, you can now click on a button called Download Your Information. And once you confirm that you are you, then you can get this link to a zip file. And when you open that zip file, that compressed file, there's all your Facebook stuff. And so what what was a daunting notion when you were bound to preserve information and e-discovery is how do I capture all of that Facebook content? It's changing literally minute by minute. Now Facebook has said, okay, snapshot your Facebook environment, bring it home, and it's going to work. And I think that's spectacular. And really, as I say, it sets the, the bar for what other online providers are going to need to make available to users to help them meet their e-discovery obligations. What do you think fueled uh, Facebook's decision to do that? And I, I agree, it was very interesting that it was such a quiet little move. I wish I knew, and I'm I'm sorry that I, I didn't do some digging to answer that question. Um, I, I don't know, but I'm sure glad they did it. I, I, there are all kinds of reasons. I think maybe if they're if they're smart, and clearly you don't get to make that many billions of dollars and get all that Goldman Sachs money unless you're smart. It seems to me that they might be looking over the hill towards issues of of antitrust concerns. That is to say, as they become this you know, 10,000-pound gorilla in the social networking arena, it, it may be that they will need to show that their data is relatively portable so that they're not locking users out of the ability, at least in theory, to move to other social networking providers. Now, that's just the world according to me. I haven't seen anything that indicates that antitrust concerns were in their mind at all. And is there any particular aspect of e-discovery where you think that this will be helpful? I know that when we did our year-end analysis of some of the cases, uh, Cecil Lynn cited several social media cases that seem to be pushing uh, towards the uh, individuals having to offer up their data. Um, Any particular thing that, in your experience, will be helpful by having this tool? Oh, no question about it. You know, we as lawyers, particularly lawyers of a certain age, are especially adept at wearing blinders and not seeing what's going on in the world around us. I mean, we've we've spent many years continuing to focus on paper long after paper continued to be uh, all that relevant. And now, of course, we focus on email without paying much recognition to the fact that a younger generation views email as something that only old people use. My children, who are 18 and 20, just don't use email. Their generation communicates across Facebook principally. And so we've got to think ahead and realize that this social networking phenomena, that for many of us older people is is still something um, obscure is the principal means of day-to-day and moment-to-moment communications, along with texting, that the coming generation uses. And I say the coming generation, I don't mean just my kids' generation, the pre-employment generation, 
But the generation that is, is now in their 20s depends upon Facebook uh, in the way that we used to depend upon the mails and phone calls. And it seems to me that the other uh, element of this is probably the fact that smartphones have become the dominant vehicle. And even that for those who want to do more heavy computing, you know, tablets and iPads and netbooks, I mean, the, the days of having a desktop unit, I think, are gone. Am I wrong on that? Well, I, I think you're not wrong on it. Certainly, we're seeing uh, migration the desktop is destined to be gone. It will be probably more like a docking station arrangement for your laptop, your tablet, or your or more souped-up version of your handheld. Uh, I think we're still going to want larger screens and connections to faster ports than we currently get with our, our fairly small handhelds. But beyond that, Monica, there's there's no question that the the idea of working from a one fixed place that has a large hard drive that holds your information is a a, a dead and dying model. Now, one thing you mentioned earlier is the uh, discoverability of social networking content, and I think that bears mentioned here as well. Again, lawyers have been slow to realize that most people's lives are recorded on again on a on a minute by minute basis on their social networking environments, whether it be their location, their latest photographs, what they've had for breakfast, whatever it may be, uh, it's recorded moment to moment. And so what we've seen is really a change in how people communicate. You know, we've seen that progression from the formal written letter, which required a degree of thought and editing and so forth. And what we did as lawyers was so much easier when we could go to a file and look at the letter. It was memorialized. Then we watched the, the email string almost completely displace the formal letter uh, in most business operations. But now we're seeing something entirely new and a little more insidious and, a, and quite a challenge to electronic discovery, and that is the never-ending conversation. Uh, again, Gen- the generations behind mine don't have the message or even or the letter, certainly. They've kind of got this never-ending conversation via text that is going on with many different people in their circle constantly. And it's difficult even to relate to that if you've not been a, a texter. But again, my, my children's generation, the, the pre-employment generation, are in touch with one another in a conversation that never ends. And these conversations go on at the same time simultaneously with the conversations in, in real life. So the ethereal conversations that we used to believe didn't happen and we only had to deal with in discovery if they had the happenstance good fortune to be recorded, now are recorded as text constantly. So we have really great new challenges ahead of us. Uh, Craig, I think you're absolutely right. And as it's, it kind of reminds me of the Chinese curse, may, may we live an interesting life. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now before we return with Craig Ball to hear a word from our sponsors, Firm Manager from LexisNexis and Carbonite Pro.
You've heard of Firm Manager. You've seen ads for Firm Manager. Now you can try Firm Manager free for 30 days at www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Firm Manager is the web-based matter management application from LexisNexis that lets you run your practice anywhere, anytime, including your desktop, laptop, mobile phone, or iPad. Take the free 30-day trial today at www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN and spend less time focusing on clerical work and more time on practicing law. A computer disaster is devastating. Imagine losing your computer files. That's why more law offices are using Carbonite Pro Online Backup. With Carbonite Pro, your files are backed up automatically and continuously. They're stored safely off-site, and each employee can access their files anytime, anywhere. Prices start at just $10 a month. Start your free one-month trial at CarbonitePro.com. That's CarbonitePro.com. How do you keep current? Lawyers in the know visit Law.com for breaking legal news, blogs, videos, and more. Visit Law.com today. And we're back. I'm Monica Bay, and my guest is the fabulous Craig Ball, author of Ball in Your Court in Law Technology News. And uh, Craig, our favorite jurist, was up to it again in February and had our legal technology and e-discovery community abuzz with her latest ruling. Would you tell us about what Shira Shunland's latest uh, uh, ruling was and your thoughts on it? Uh, Sure. And it's a case out of the Southern District of New York called National Day Labor Organizing Network versus United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency. Now, there is a style that just trips off the tongue. <laughs> I call it Endalon because I can't say the whole thing. But uh, day laborer is what a lot of people are calling it as well. The gist of it is it's a Freedom of Information Act or FOIA case uh, involving uh, the efforts by the United States to provide discovery uh, to a, a group of plaintiffs. And the, the issues there involve the United States having provided what I call naked TIFFs, and that is images of documents that are wholly unsearchable, provided without metadata, and, you know, really, it's the, it's the worst possible form of providing electronic discovery. I mean, you just, if you design something to be more, most frustrating to your opponent, you would invariably come to naked tiffs. And so the, there was pushback by the plaintiffs. And the, the uh, opinion by Judge Shinlin really does an, an excellent job in, in, in an almost unprecedented way of laying out the essential metadata fields that must be provided in order for users to, to gain a reasonable facility uh, and utility of the data. And this has been something that's been, you know, a, a bandwagon I've been on for quite some time, which is, is people do not understand metadata. And in fact, there's no topic at all in e-discovery that's less well understood than metadata. The problem you see is that everyone is looking for some kind of universal metadata solution. You've got plaintiff's lawyers demanding, give me the metadata without appreciating that metadata just means information about information. And as a consequence, it's like saying, give me the information. It doesn't mean anything without a context. 
So you've got to be able to know what it is you want, what metadata fields exist for particular kinds of electronic evidence, what those fields signify, since they are not always intuitively obvious. And when you are a producing party, you've got to be able to identify those fields and preserve and produce them. Well, outside of the context of FOIA and e-discovery, you really can break this down into about three different groups of metadata. And again, I, I'm frustrated, Monica, by the effort. People want to come up with this, you must give me these X number of metadata fields for everything. But we really need to take a step back. And that's what I think Judge Shinlin has done so well in the day laborer case and said, you know, there's metadata that's routine and, and necessary for email messages. But that's not the same metadata that's routine and necessary for your word process documents and your PowerPoints and your so-called productivity documents that come out of applications like Microsoft Office or uh, the PDF portable document format of Adobe Acrobat. They have a different complement of metadata. Some of it is system metadata, which means it's outside the file and tracked by the computer or file system that stores the data, and some of it's embedded in the file. That's called application metadata. Well, until lawyers and judges, as Judge Shinlin has in this decision, get their arms around those important distinctions, then we're going to continue to have these bitter fights over what should be a very straightforward group of metadata that you should you routinely grab and routinely produce. Now, the challenge for the day laborer case is that it comes up in the context of FOIA. Well, the Freedom of Information Act is a creature all its own. And I'm concerned that the circuit court, which is reviewing the case now or has been asked to review the case, uh, may get confused. And I, I mean no disrespect to the judges of the Second Circuit by saying that. As I say, metadata is the most misunderstood concept in all of e-discovery, second to none. And I'm concerned that in their efforts to address the FOIA concerns, and as I say, FOIA is a strange creature, that they may inadvertently undo the very good work that Judge Shinlin has done in the e-discovery arena by identifying crucial metadata fields, laying out a, a very simple and understandable method by which these uh, fields should be preserved and making a strong case for why these are essential fields in almost all discovery and should be routinely produced. So I'm, I'm hoping that the baby will not get thrown out with the bathwater if anything is thrown out at all. And that in, in looking at this, the circuit court will say, well, m maybe we have some issues with regard to FOIA procedure. But, oh, gosh, Judge Shinlin, you did a splendid job in dealing with metadata and e-discovery, and we take nothing away from the very good advice you shared. Well, it certainly has drawn a lot of attention. And if you're interested in reading Craig's article, it's Going Native Without Bates Numbers and Making It Work. You can find it on the Law Technology News website. We also have several other articles, uh, including one from Gibson Dunn. Uh, I have a feeling that this case will continue to be discussed uh, during the year um, as we go forward, as all of Ju Judge Shinlin's uh, rulings do seem to be 
very very uh, uh, thoughtful and 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 discussed heavily in our community. I would say. Would you agree with that, Greg? Oh, no question. You know, Judge Shinlin is courageous to put these things out there because it's it, she has she delves into the technical. And it's an area where she herself would say she's not an entirely comfortable, but she's done a splendid job here, and we can all learn a lot from this decision. And we could talk forever about this, but we are out of time. have a little bit of housekeeping to wrap up with. I am very excited to let you know that we will be at ALM. Our, our technology unit is going to be launching a new alert. It, it will be called the e-discovery and compliance alert. And uh, you can watch the website for details on that. And we will also be reviving our EDD update blog very, very soon, probably mid April this month. Very excited about that. Craig, thank you so much for being here today. And if folks wanted to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to reach you? I would suggest putting a large amount of cash in a parcel and sending it to my home. But beyond that, they can reach me by email. I'm craig at ball.net. And I want to give a special uh, thank you to our two sponsors, Firm Manager from LexisNexis and Carbonite Pro. As always, special thanks go out to Jill Winware and the fabulous David Jasper here at ALM, to Luann Reeb, Scott Hess, Mike Hockman, and Kate Kenny at the Legal Talk Network. And to remind you, as always, there's no crying in baseball or technology. We'll see you in May. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Law Technology Now is produced by the broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening. Join Monica Bay for next month's podcast on the technology issues affecting the legal profession today.